0: We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership. It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out, John White. Or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better, how do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast, enjoy. Welcome to episode 18 of the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm John O'White, your, uh, your host today, and I'm excited to have Mike Pintech. Mike is the President for Nuclear and Precision Health Solutions at Cardinal Health. And uh, the Nuclear and Precision Health Solutions is the part of Cardinal Health that develops, manufactures, comp-specific doses annually to thousands of customers via a network of nuclear pharmacies and manufacturing sites that span the United States. Prior to assuming the role of President in August 2021, Mike was Senior Vice President of Commercial Operations and Business Development for the Nuclear and Precision Health Solutions business where he led all aspects of the commercial and business development operating functions including strategy development, sales, marketing, pricing, partner management, business intelligence and analytics. Mike has deep and broad global experience in the healthcare and life science industries Before joining Cardinal Health, he served as Chief Chief Operating Officer at Luminex Corporation until 2014, where his responsibilities encompassed all aspects of the company's operating functions, including sales, marketing, partner management, business development and licensing, customer service and training, technical support, systems integration, manufacturing and supply chain. Michael also held several senior leadership positions of increasing responsibility at Roche, including his last position as head of Roche's uh, global transfusion medicine business. In addition, he has served in leadership roles with Ventana Medical Systems and Abbott Laboratories Diagnostics Division. Mike earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from Central Michigan University and has successfully completed executive education programs at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business mike welcome to the podcast it's wonderful to have you on today
1: Jono, thanks for
0: inviting me and i'm excited about our conversation today so thanks again yeah i think um I, i just you know reading out the bio and hearing about the complexity of what you do i the 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 most recent podcast before this one episode 17 i was chatting with um the uh the chief uh supply uh chief supply logistics officer a Chief Supply Chain Officer for a, uh, a really large uh, food business. And it's really interesting hearing that I, I was saying in that podcast, wow, that sounds, that sounds complex. Um, and I can't help but think of the same word as I was looking at uh, what you do in, in your role and what you look after. The word complex comes to mind. That's, that's a really uh, complex operation. So I'd love for you to give our listeners a bit of an overview uh, around who Cardinal Health is. Um, and and also what Nuclear and Precision Health Solutions does, and your role as president. What does that look like? What does the team look like? What's what's your footprint? I've asked you a few things there, but yeah, take it away.
1: No, thank you, Jono, and um, I, I, I couldn't be more privileged and thrilled to lead Nuclear and Precision Health Solutions at Cardinal Health as president, and as you mentioned, and uh, you covered a lot already in your opening about uh, about what we do. But for your listeners who may not be as uh, familiar with Cardinal Health, let me just uh, provide a little bit of background on that as well. Uh, we are a global leader in healthcare, and we've been in business uh, over fifty years now, with operations in countries around the world, and with more than forty-four thousand employees worldwide. And uh, we do everything from distribute pharmaceuticals to manufacture and uh, distribute medical and laboratory products, and we also provide performance and data solutions for healthcare facilities to help with their decision making and their efficiency as well. Uh, now, I have to tell you, I am just really excited about the field of nuclear medicine and the impact that it's having on patients. and. Um, You know, in nuclear medicine, we're really experiencing a growth cycle driven by innovation in Theranostics, and we're leading the way to bring important therapeutic innovation that will benefit patients. Now, your listeners may be asking, what is a Theranostic? (laughs) And a Theranostic (laughs) really includes both a diagnostic or a test to tell a patient, you know, what's wrong with me or what's happening. Yes. And, uh, and also a therapeutic to treat uh, a very specific need tailored for each individual patient down to the cellular level. So, as you said, it can be very complex. And so to put that into perspective, if you just take, for example, a patient with prostate cancer, hmm. theranostics will now allow a clinician to more precisely target and effectively treat disease for a better outcome. And in some cases, that might be curative. Uh, In other cases, it'll make a meaningful improvement in just their standard of living or extension of life. Um, And so we've we've invested significantly. We built a center for Theranostics Advancement in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. and this really allows us to provide a differentiated end-to-end seamless solution for pharmaceutical companies who are looking to bring new advanced treatments in radiopharmaceuticals to market, uh, where we help them with development, manufacturing, and commercial uh, and commercializing novel new therapeutics that can really positively impact patient lives. And I have to tell you, it, it, I get very, very excited. It's, very, it's a very exciting time to be part of all the innovation that's going on in medicine
0: and, in particular, in nuclear medicine yeah it it certainly sounds uh, like a an extremely innovative part of the the medical field um, which is you know I, I don't have uh, really much or, or any experience working um, in the in the medical field, but I, I have to say what you' what you're doing is is really yeah. fascinating and um, so it sounds to me from uh, uh, I guess putting back to, to what you said there's there's this uh, there's this opportunity to really personalize. Um therapeutic, and uh, there's, there's that personalized where it actually it's it's not just something that anyone can take, but this this uh, that is going to help a particular person because you're giving them something that's actually made specifically for them down to the cell level. Is that what is that one of the key components of, of what you were saying?:
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So the uh, diagnostic radiopharmaceuticals coupled with the therapeutic together, Uh, where the diagnostic very specifically down to the cellular level diagnoses the disease or what's happening in the patient. And you have a therapeutic uh, that is very targeted, sometimes using the same radioisotope as a diagnostic. In other cases, a different radioisotope that is very targeted at addressing that, say, cancer that might exist in the patient. And so it's a very targeted and precise approach to treating patient disease, and what's so exciting about it is, you know, we we all have our personal stories of family members or friends that may have been stricken with disease such as cancer or uh, heart disease or others. The new therapeutics that are really coming to market are gonna are really going to provide an impact and a difference in patient lives, and uh, I will tell you that's what gets us out of bed in the morning and makes us so excited about. Where nuclear medicine is is headed and the impact that it's going to have, very directly on patient
0: lives. Yeah, that's incredible, mind blowing, and uh, and very exciting. And I can imagine there's there must be so much purpose. The the uh, you'd, you'd have some truly meaningful testimonials coming from people whose lives have been uh, completely you know transformed and even saved by some of the products. That's yeah, I think that's from a leadership perspective. I think that's exciting because it, you can tie what you're doing directly to saving lives. You know, that's um, I, I think from that perspective, it's exciting. Let's let's uh, let's hear a bit more about you. I know listeners would love to hear uh, you know Mike's story of, and you can go back as far as you want. You can <laughs> you know you can share as much as you want, and particularly any moments that you think back to that really shaped. Um, who you are today, you know that really shaped you becoming the leader that you are today
1: yeah, well you know i I guess i 'll start with the fact that i've i 've always been driven for results and also having a positive and lasting impact on people's lives mm-hmm. and you know I think it's one thing as a leader to achieve results regardless if if your results are for a business or you know, you're you lead a you're you're a superintendent of a school system, and the school system achieves certain results. But that's only half the success is achieving those results. The other half of the success is making a meaningful difference in the people's lives on the team and who you serve. And so, uh, that's why I've always been passionate about healthcare, and I've always been passionate about serving others as a leader. Not only to achieve results, but also to help people realize their career ambitions or their personal goals as well along that path. And I, I, I would say my leadership philosophy really begins and ends with a team-first approach, which was, <laughs> uh, it, I would say, early on in my life through my participation in sports. Uh, in, in fact, I can remember back to my senior year of high school football in Michigan, and that is further back than I would
0: Cared to admit, Jono. Um, <laughs> Nin- 1990,
1: right? You know? Yeah. You're not far off. It seems like yesterday. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, as we entered that year, uh, we entered with really high expectations for a conference and potential state championship run. Hmm. Um, however, I, I could tell you the season didn't start out as planned and our, our championship hopes were uh, run hopes were essentially gone. And I remember our coach pulling us together as a team and, you know, highlighting the fact that we really weren't playing together for success of the team. Rather, we were playing for individual success. Yeah. And we had, we had really lost sight of the fact that, you know, talent may win you some games, but teamwork wins championships. Mm. And at that moment we decided to put, at that moment we decided to put the team first and um, while we didn't realize our dreams of a state championship uh, run, I would say we gained a very incredible, and I gained a very incredible, uh, valuable life lesson. Um, and that that's something I've carried forward throughout my life and shaped who I am as a leader.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I love the idea of, of team first. Um, it reminds me of uh, Patrick Lencioni, who's one of my favorite uh, leadership authors, and, and I love his work. He talks about the difference between a working group and a team, and uh, I, I, I love sports, so I'm, I'm all about the um, sports stories and, uh, and sort of metaphors, but he talks about a working group is like you're playing golf, and you know there's four of you, and you all tee off, and uh, you get to the end of 18, and you look back, and you say, oh, you've got four over, i got four under, and you know, you've each got your own score, but... Um, if you actually want to lead a team, and I think you you said it, and it's so simple, isn't it? But talent talent wins you talent wins you games, but teamwork wins you championships. That is just leadership. That is such a great leadership principle. And uh, and leadership as a team first approach looks much less like golf, uh, which I love golf, but it's not a it's not a team sport, right? Unless you play like a team a team version of it. Normally, you are keeping your own score, and and when you're playing a team sport, it's about Stretching—it's about that one score, it doesn't matter if I had a good or a bad day. It's about whether how we did as a team, and that mentality. Uh, I, I love that—that's your—that's that your approach. Are there any other moments as you look back um, on your on your career that you think you know that leader, like you mentioned uh, the coach that you had there, or that moment uh, where you were leading someone, or where you uh, where you experienced something, and you look back and think that was a real tipping point or something that really shaped your leadership today certainly you know, I, I would say
1: yeah I, I, I would say I've really been blessed to work for some of the most influential and impactful leaders in healthcare during my career and you know I've, I've, I've had experiences where I learned uh, I learned what to do and I've had experiences where I also learned what not to do and um that's something I, I've carried through uh, all my life. I'm still learning today. You, the one one key principle that I think is really really important as a leader is you never stop learning. You yes. never reach the pinnacle and then you're done. You never stop learning because the minute you stop learning, you know, then then that's the point when you really start to start to fail. There's always something new to learn and. Um, I could tell, as I said, I've learned both from success and failure and understanding what my true north is in terms of the leader I aspire to be, and that's one of high integrity, uh, to be mission-driven. Uh, inclusive of others, but you know, if you're, if you, if you're, if you're able to attract top, top talent and format. For that.
0: Mike, I'll just uh, I'll just stop you there. It sound it just um. And it, it was At just cutting time. out a little Whether bit it be, there. Can you hear me?
1: Oh yes, I can hear you. Yes, yeah,
0: sorry, it just cutting out. Can you without, hear me okay? Uh, yeah, it was just cutting out a little bit there. I don't know if that was um. Uh, I don't know if that was the a connection thing, but can you just can you just repeat uh, the last? Um, if you just go back to the to the start of the of the about uh maybe just explaining the sort of leader. Um, that you are around integrity, I think it was just cutting out a little bit in that bit. So if I just leave a little break now and you jump back in, we'll just edit that.
1: Okay, great. Would um, um, would you like me just to start from the beginning? Would that be easier? Or uh... yeah, yeah, just start from the beginning
0: of that okay. thought. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, uh, John, I, I I will. I would just add that I've been blessed to work um, for some of the most influential and impactful leaders in healthcare during my career, and I. I can tell you, and I've I've learned uh, along the way. Uh, I've had experiences where I've learned uh, what to do, and uh, and and I've had experiences that have taught me what not to do as well. And really learning from both success and failure, and grounding myself in what my true north is in terms of the leader uh, I aspire to be, and. You know, if I were to describe that to someone else, it would be a lead, be a leader of high integrity, uh, be a leader that's mission driven, a leader that's accountable, a leader that's inclusive of others. We talk about, you know, hiring and retaining top talent. It's, it's one thing to hire and retain top talent, which is absolutely crucial to success, but it, then it's forming that, te- forming that team around that top talent, and then also being authentic with people you know, uh, whether that be, you know, something that happens that's good or something that happens that didn't go according to plan. Uh, it's it's really critical that you're transparent and authentic as a leader. Um, uh, because, you know, let's face it, you spend a lot of time with your team and the people that you work with. Uh, and, um, and, you know, it becomes a family of its own of, of sorts, I believe, as well. So um, th- those are things uh, that I have learned through my career as well. And I think it's really important as a leader that you know you establish
0: the, uh, the type of leader that you aspire to be and what your true north is. Yeah, I think, uh, and you use some great words uh, to describe your true north. If you were sitting down with a young leader who was stepping into their first opportunity to lead people rather than to do task you know where they're really stepping into a role where they're going to be leading a team for the first time and you had the chance to to i guess give them um uh, some thoughts around how to you know as a young leader how to move towards that true north for them and 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 to to start learning and working towards being a, a great leader what would your advice be
1: well i i would start by uh Ensuring that they understand that in leadership is about serving others. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in the adage, you know, to whom much has been given, much is expected. Um, and um, it, so, in other words, I, I really believe that as a leader, your role is to ensure, and what I mean by that is, as a leader, your role is to ensure that your organization or team uh, thrives by serving the members of your team by Providing inspiration and a vision for what the team is committed to achieve, Um, ensuring that everyone on the team clearly understands the plan to realize that vision, and equally as important, I would say that everyone on the team understands how they individually contribute to making that outcome and that vision a reality. Then the leader's role is to get out of their way and support the team to ensure their success, and that that could be, you know, ensuring if they have questions, you provide clarity about uh, the direction. Mm. You know, providing constant coaching and removing obstacles so that both the business and the individuals on the team thrive. Um, and and in the end, realizing something larger together as a team than could other be realized than, than could otherwise be realized by any one individual on the team themselves. I think that's what you know. As you look back in your career, and and you realize, wow, here's something we really achieved as a uh, as a team. Whether it be, wow, we really achieved this major goal. We had this huge win. We really transformed this business. When you look back on on what you were part of, those are moments you remember in your career. Um, I, I would also I would also uh, tell them that you know, as you go through your co- career, to be, as I mentioned just a moment ago, be inquisitive, keep an open mind and be prepared to learn something new every day. I, I still, as a leader, learn something new every single day. Um, push yourself and take some risks and push yourself to grow and take on assignments that might stretch you, uh, even if you're not the expert. I, I would also tell them to surround themselves with top diverse talent always remember that Again, leadership is about working with others to help them be successful uh, in achieving the larger vision. And, and as a leader, then you will be successful as well. And uh, I, you know, on that note, you know, you asked me a moment ago, Jono, about you know something that I've seen that a, a, another leader may have really influenced and and uh, and really impacted my thinking as a leader. You know, uh, years back, I I worked for a great leader in my career uh, that had a really positive influence on me. And one of the things he always used to say was attract top talent, train them to go and motivate them to stay. (laughs) And What he meant meant by that is hire people that everyone else wants, hire the top talent. And then when you bring them in, train them to make them better and really attract, you know, and and so, so that they can succeed and thrive. And when you do that you know, other companies are going to want to take those individuals or attract those individuals to their companies, but make, create the environment where they want to stay and they don't want to go. And that is when you have a highly functioning team and organization. And I really, really believe that creating a culture where everyone feels like they are seen, heard, and belong are really important and, and keeping the focus on the success of the team. And then the last thing I would tell a new leader is uh, that, remember, there's always a solution to every problem. Hmm. There's always a solution. It may not be apparent, but there's always a solution. And so an important part of leadership is listening and, yes. you know, making sure you get the perspectives of people on your team and even press for dissenting opinions <laughs> to, <laughs> to really make sure when you're faced with a complex issue that, you, that you're you able to think through it. And I, I, I promise you that while I've in the business that, you know, I am in and our team is in at, at Cardinal Health, it can be very complex. There's a lot of moving parts and therefore you can have complex problems, but there's always a solution. Mm. And, the, and the last thing I would say is enjoy the heck out of the journey because it's a lot
0: of fun. <laughs> I think that's uh, basically a handbook Leadership 101 you've just uh, unpacked there. <laughs> it's uh, really good. No, there's some there there are there aren't some. There's so much uh, so much uh, great thoughts. I love what you're the leader that you said. You had 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 that great leader. I just think if you can find and hire top talent and train them up so they could go anywhere but then motivate them so that they choose to stay because they're part of something bigger than themselves. And um, that is such great advice. I, I, I couldn't echo it, uh, that more. And, and I, I want to go back and listen to what you said there again, and I think I will because there was just uh, about 10 different nuggets in there that, that are fantastic. Okay, so team first. Let's talk about building a team. If you walked into a team and you you had to start from scratch in terms of building a team, but there was a group of people already there and, and Mike walks in and you could only do one thing, one initiative, bring one idea, um, have one sort of tool that you use. Um, I asked, uh, I asked someone this uh, in, in one of the previous episodes and they, and they cheated and, and had two things, which actually were fantastic. So you can do the same if you want, but what would be <laughs> if you had to sort of really narrow it down and you were in that situation needing to build a team, and you had to really narrow it down to one, or maybe a couple, what would you What would you do? What would you choose? What would you focus on to build a team?
1: Yeah, well, I think I, so I, I would focus on, I'd uh, start with, you know, what is our vision as a team and what are we seeking to achieve and gain alignment on that. Now I didn't say consensus, I said alignment. <laughs> and, <laughs> And so and then as you take a step back and you have alignment on here's the vision we want to achieve. Here's the here's the goals that we want to realize to to achieve that vision. um, Then you can take a step back and say, okay, do we have the right talent and the right people to achieve that? Um, Mm -hmm. And where where there were. Where, where there were gaps or we had to bring on new people, you know, I, I would say I would always seek to hire people better than myself. And I, I think this is an important point where, you know, I mentioned earlier in our conversation, John, on that, you know, I've learned from great leaders what to do. And I've also learned through experience what not to do. And yeah. you know, I've seen leaders make the mistake of, of making the transition from, you know, how they built their success, maybe started out in their career as an individual contributor. And it was all about what they did and what they produced mm. to not having to lead a team of people. And I've seen leaders make the mistake of uh, being a little nervous about hiring people better than them at certain things, whether it be, you know, you hire uh, your head of marketing and they're just better at you than marketing mm. or, or hire a head of sales or finance, et cetera. I, I'm, I've always been a proponent of hiring people better than myself. Because understanding as a leader that you want the team to be great, it's not about you, it's about the team. And if you bring on that top talent, you you will you will be well on your way to realizing success. I've seen company I've seen many companies in my career that had a great product. Um, they, they had everything you know there to realize success, but they just didn't have the top talent. And a lot of times it, I've seen it because a leader, you know, doesn't either can't attract that top talent or is fearful of hiring someone that might be more talented in an area than themselves and that might you know th- that might affect them somehow um, I-, I think that's a mistake I- I've always been a proponent of hiring people better than myself and you know and and through that um, you know I- I'm very proud of the fact that I you know a lot of people that have worked for me before are now in senior level positions at both large and small companies. And um, we still keep in contact with each other uh, because not only did we achieve business success, but we, they also achieved their personal success too. And everyone yeah. grew because of that top talent. So, you know, I think it comes down to knowing where you're headed, how you're going to get there, make, having the right team, and then creating that winning culture where people can really thrive. And then, the other thing I would say as a leader, and I'm, I'm going far beyond the person who gave you two things. So good. You know, celebrate the wins. Yeah. And when the team, when, when the team fails or you don't realize an objective, making sure within the team, people are accountable. So you learn from your mistakes and you, you get better that way. Cause that's what championship teams do. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, you take that on yourself when reporting up, right? And and so I, I you know, I've always said to you know w- within our teams, if if we fall short, I'll take that on as a leader within the team. We're going to have accountability, so we understand what happened, what we could have done differently, and how we would do it differently moving forward. But then, you know, I, I will take on that burden, and when we celebrate success, it will be about the team and the individuals that achieve that success. And so, you know, uh, to in my view. The best leaders are selfless and um, and it's all about
0: achieving the end result while lifting people up. You know, it's fascinating. This is episode 18 and just as a little uh, anecdotal uh, piece of data and people can go back and, and listen to all the episodes to see this, but there's chatting with great leaders from around the world in all different sectors. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of things that are very different and then that would have to be one thing that I think has come up um m- multiple times i can't think of how many the amount of leaders so far and and also in my in my coaching great leaders in have this in common and i've seen it so many times and that's why i love that you just mentioned it is that when when the team uh drops the ball when we make a mistake when we don't hit our goals i'm going to take it as a leader and when the team smashes the goals has amazing success then I'm going to point to the team and point to the individuals in my team. That has come up more than almost anything else so far, uh, which I think is just testament to how... uh, And on the flip side, in my coaching, I can't tell you the number of leaders I work with who... Because, you know, there's that saying, people uh, people don't leave companies, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers or they leave people, they leave leaders. And one of the biggest and best ways in terms of what not to do to break trust is to not have your people's back. And you do that by doing the inverse. When we drop the ball, I point and I, Mm -hmm. and I blame it on the team. And when we have a success, I stand up and say, wow, I can't believe I did it. I really did it. Didn't I? And if you do that, it's sort of, I, I I think I knew that was important, but in the past couple of months, uh, that has, I think that's risen in in how much I've, I, I truly believe that is something that, great leaders have in common as a really pivotal part of how they lead.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I, I would add, you know, um, people hear your words, but they follow your actions as a leader. So, mm. you know, you could say all the right things, but they really, you know, when, when, when no one's watching, you know, how do you respond? And, you know, when things get challenging, how do you respond? Because everyone can be a great leader when things are going swimmingly well. Um, <laughs> it, it's, when, it's when you hit challenging times that, you know, your team will always look to you as a leader to say, you know, how do you respond to that? Yeah, uh, that's and, right. You know, I, I think, <laughs> I think they, 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 that ends up over time looking to the character of the leader as well.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm reminded of, um, I, I'm loving the, the fact that you started by talking about your, um, you know, playing sport when, uh, you know, in teams. And uh, I'm just reminded of uh, the, the Liverpool uh, football soccer manager, Jurgen Klopp. Um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, soccer fan. I follow the Premier League in, in, uh, in, in England. And I'm trying yeah. to uh, develop my, my brother-in-law loves uh, the NFL. And baseball so I am trying I'm, I'm learning to love uh, American sports I love all sports so that's that's a journey um because I, I I want I can see why everyone loves it you know when you're trying to sort of train yourself to love something anyway I um it's <laughs> a work in progress but Liverpool so I love this coach if anyone's um, if, if anyone's looking for someone really interesting to watch as a leader, there's a couple of things Jurgen Klopp does, but it just reminded me, what you said then just reminded me of, so they, they've they been on a phenomenal run, um, at, you know, for the past few years. But they, they had this one game and they lost, I, I think it was 7-1, and it was completely out of the blue. And you could see the you could really see not so much the players, but you could see everyone around the fans. You could see the press and they were all watching for the reaction, you know, in terms of you can't have much more challenging moment than a team. And they'd sort of been to the pinnacle. And I think everyone was going, is this the time when they start to slide? Um, And so I remember a reporter saying to Jürgen Klopp, um, you know, with this really dramatic angsty sort of, so, you know, uh, Jürgen, your team lost, um, 7-1 today, you know, as one of the teams that's been unbeatable. Wow, you lost 7-1. Can you even, you know, could you believe what you were seeing? And I remember watching with such intrigue, and his response was a real representation of what you're talking about. Um, he, Because it was his moment, it was his chance where I've seen other coaches in that moment say, I couldn't believe it. The team were terrible. But he, he, he was very calm, and he said, Yes, uh, yeah, yes, I I could believe it because I was watching it. <laughs> and he said, and he said, we we got we were we were outplayed. They played so much better than us today. And um, and yeah, it's uh, but this sort of can happen in in soccer. So we've got to go and and uh, and and uh, focus on next week. And I just what I loved about it was in that moment, and I can imagine that the players would have been. You know there was so much opportunity for it to fall apart, but he did exactly what you're saying, which is in the most challenging moment, he he, he proved to have the players back. He didn't throw them under the bus. He took ownership over the result, but he also didn't make it um, bigger than it was, and he kept he kept calm. and, and just what you said there reminded me of that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think that is, you know, really really important and a great leadership lesson as well. You know, you'll be you'll always be faced with challenges, but keeping the key team focused on, you know, how to resolve it or mitigate it or ensure that you know we experience greater success in the future is what's really important, because you know, last I checked, you they haven't invented time travel where you can go back and prevent the outcome from happening. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, what's really important is that you acknowledge it, right? You're authentic. You're, you, 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 you recognize it and you're honest about it. And then, you know, figure out, you know, how you're going to get better and move forward. And the greatest championship teams in the world make mistakes every single day. Um, mm-hmm. I make mistakes every single day. It's about learning from those and get continuing to get better and better
0: every day. Yeah, in terms of learning from uh, not only mistakes but learning from people, like I just mentioned, Jürgen Klopp and how much I love him. But uh, obviously, books. Uh, in terms, of, I, I would think. Well, there's probably two questions I'd love to ask you here. What What are the the best ways for you to continue learning? You know, because you've been leading you've been leading a long time now and in senior roles, and there would have to be some. Uh, you know, things don't get less busy. The, the, the size of uh, <laughs> responsibility and the importance of decisions doesn't get less. In, in, a, in a role like yours, it would only get more. So I imagine you'd have to be very intentional about how you continue learning. So I'm interested in where you go. Like, what, what do you do to invest in your own learning? And then specific to books, uh, I, I, I love uh, that sort of question. What, what book do you gift most? Is there a book or are there a couple of books where you think – you if you think back you've gifted a lot of them to to other leaders as a, oh you have to read this um so yeah two questions there what do you do intentionally to invest in your learning and what book or books do you tend to gift others around business and leadership
1: yeah well i would um i i would say that you know in terms of learning i i think i you learn every day by just you know i learn from my team i learn from my colleagues um, I think it's really important, uh, again, that you always seek to understand first, listen more than you speak and, and be transparent and open and be open to a dialogue where you, know, you may take a position be, without all the facts that you, know, you may get pushed back on or people may disagree with you on, but it's in that dialogue, it's in that debate, just in what you do every day on the job or as a leader, that you learn a lot from because you gain additional perspective, um, and 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 also keeping an open mind that you know there might be multiple solutions to a problem, and there's not uh, there, and that there always is a solution, but it, there might be multiple ways to solve the problem, and that it's not as important that yours is right; it's just important that you arrive at the best answer to achieve success. And so, I think first of all, I start with always checking myself and keeping an open mind, whether that be Mm. engaging my team, whether that be engaging my peers or, you know, my boss or whatever, whatever forum that takes, even with the, you know, engaging the board of directors, always listening and, and, and learning from those experiences. Um, I, you know, I also, uh, I think it's really important to invest in yourself in areas where, you want to sharpen your skills as well. So, um, yeah. Well, through my career, you know, I I I graduated from college with a degree in marketing and management, and I knew that one area that as I developed in my career, I wanted to sharpen my financial skills as well, which was very important. So, you know, I I always had supportive leaders that uh, allowed me to whether it be take classes or take on projects where you know, those, I would gain more experiences and also gain experiences where I would sharpen my, you know, financial acumen over the course of my career as well, which has been really important. Um, and then, I, you know, I do read books. Um, one book in particular that, you know, had an impact on me that I thought was a very easy read and, and very good was called, uh, is, and I still have it on my desk today, The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, <laughs> And um, he's also the author of five temptations of a CEO. And, you know, I just, uh, I really appreciate his, uh, his style and, uh, and, and again, a, a very easy, very easy read. And so, um, I think it's important that you read and you find what interests you, Um, but uh, also as you develop throughout your career, think about what you want to do in your career is another piece of advice I would give people. Uh, Mm. A lot of times I find people that will come to me and say, well, I'm ready for a promotion. Okay, well, what, what do you want to do? And they can think about when typically when they come, to, come to you and sit down with that, it's well. I want to be move from a manager to a director. I want to move from a director to vice president. And I always ask people to take a step back and think of two things. You know, it, it's great to think of short term and you want a title, but what do you want to do? So do you want to be an expert in your field, whether that be marketing or sales or finance, or do you want more of a general management, uh, Uh, leading to a chief operating officer or CEO type of path. Is that the path you want to take? Because those are very different journeys in your career. And if you want to take the GM or CEO path one day, that's terrific. Let's look at the broad set of experiences you had or what you might need to gain along the way to be able to perform in that role. If you want to be the head of marketing, vice president of marketing, and that's your career ambition, great, then how do we build you towards that ambition, which would look different from a GM role. And so I think when you, when everyone thinks about how they want to develop professionally and as a leader, uh, to really also give thought to, what are your real interests long-term? And then you mm-hmm. can build a career plan towards that, which will inform what skills do you want to sharpen? What books might I read to help develop myself as well? Um, I I think that's important for people to consider also. Um, Well, I I would just say, um, if if you're struggling with what your vision is, um, I, I always like to start with the team to say, what is that big, audacious goal that we want to achieve? Because very often people are thinking near term, okay, I've got to deliver a certain growth number next year, or we want to achieve this in the business next year. They Sometimes uh, it's very easy to think 12 to only 18 months out. But if you look five years out uh, in terms of what impact you're going to have as a business, um, not only in terms of for the company, but also for the customers you serve and their customers, in our case, that would be you know, healthcare care providers and patients that, are, that our customers serve and we serve. Um, what is it that you want vision? And so I think the best place to start is to have, you know a very large vision and create that big goal that you want to achieve in, in another business that I was in years ago we had a vision we, we called it the uh, we, we called it the five by five by five vision we wanted to operate on five continents be the leader in five categories and have five uh, five product lines that were above a certain revenue amount mm. and, like each above a hundred million dollars, and so, you know, th- those were those were different objectives at the time, but they built off a very large vision and very big goals uh, that uh, that
0: we were seeking to achieve. Yeah, incredible. Uh, I, I love the I love the five by five by five. I think if you can take that really big vision and make it something that's very digestible and uh, something that's easy for people to remember I think that helps so much and then and then break it down and and uh, and review and and keep it in front of people I think um, there's some great thoughts in there just as we as we wrap up Mike did you have any final thoughts for listeners
1: no I, I wanted to tap on to something you just said as well Jono, is um, yeah. it has to be memorable and uh, it has to be a vision and objectives that team can remember too, because if it's overly complicated and they can't remember it, it doesn't provide motivation. And you also have to measure it, right? So people have to, it has to be memorable. People have to, rem- have to be able to easily remember what it is. And then, you know, you're constantly tracking to show people that we're making progress towards that goal and that gets a team really motivated. So I, I thought that was an important point that you mentioned. Um,
0: yeah, thank you. No, I, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, sort of doubling down on that. I, I agree that sort of making it memorable uh, is, I think, is underrated because that's, uh, that's so important. Um, so, Mike, uh, I guess as we, as we wrap up, uh, did you have any final thoughts for listeners?
1: Yeah. Well, first, John, I'd say thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, again, I would just leave listeners uh, with with this thought: that uh, remember that leadership is about serving others. I would say be continue to be inquisitive and learn every day, and push yourself to grow as a leader. And uh, you know, just really enjoy uh, enjoy the journey and and the reward of helping not only achieve results for the business, but even equally and more important is seeing your team thrive and do well and advance their professional and personal goals as well. And so I I found it very rewarding and hope your listeners will too throughout their career.
0: Yeah. Excellent advice. And I think there's been so much uh, advice. I think listeners, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few people going back and having a second listen. There were just a few points uh, today where you you sort of listed off 10 things and I thought I want to go back and <laughs> there was just, that was great. And then you went on something else and it was, there was some really good uh, multiple sort of thoughts that I think will be really valuable. So big thank you to our listeners. I uh, really appreciate you tuning in and uh, I, I know for a fact that uh, today's conversation with Mike is a, has been a great investment in your leadership and uh, make sure you work out really clearly what you're going to do out of today and what you're going to maybe change as a result of what you've heard today and a, a massive thank you to Mike Pintech. Mike, it's been a pleasure and honestly, very, very rich insights. And, and I've really enjoyed it. And, and I've really appreciated you giving your time and sharing today. Well,
1: Jono, thank you again for inviting me on. And I hope to be invited in the future as well. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, how to deal with difficult people, even if you hate conflict.